It's always a little bit of a struggle. It always feels like you're not doing it right. And other people are very natural in it. But nobody is born natural. I wasn't born natural in podcasting. I wasn't born natural on camera. <laughs> we all learned it. We all went through that awkward phase. You're listening to the podcast of Celine Chalot. This is a little bit of a different episode. Instead of me interviewing a guest, I'm in this episode the guest being interviewed. So enjoy. Welcome, guys, at a new episode of the Successful Ondernemer podcast. It's great that you're here because it's a very special episode for two reasons. First of all, it's going to be my very first podcast in English. And second of all, I'm sitting here in the online studio with Selina Charlotte van het Wout. And I don't think she needs an introduction because, like, everybody knows her in the Netherlands. She has more than 50,000 followers. She's running a super successful business. And... I get the pleasure to interview her about running an online business. So I'm super excited. Celine, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you finally, because I think you have a really big online business presence too. A lot of people are excited about the podcast of us together. Yes, I heard. I saw a lot of likes and comments. It was really great. One thing I was actually wondering, do people call you Celine or Charlotte? I'm always confused. Well, that is because I, when I lived in the Netherlands, I called myself Charlotte. And now that I'm in America, I call myself Celine. Because there's a book here in the US and it's called Charlotte's Web. And every time when I introduce myself, everyone started talking about that book. And I was like a little bit sick of it. So <laughs> I just thought oh, I'm going to call myself Celine. All right. I'm going to call you Celine from now on. Then I've made <laughs> my decision. Yeah, it feels good. All right. We're going to dive straight into it because we have 25 to 30 minutes. I hope we're going to make this because I have a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. But the first one, you're, of course, like a huge expert now in running an online business. And one of the questions that I got from my followers, and they're like really curious about this, if if you want to start an online business, what is, according to you, something you definitely want to focus on in the beginning and something you don't want to focus on? Because I think a lot of people, they just start out with the wrong things. And what do you usually recommend? So I think for an online business, marketing is the most important thing. So I would start building a presence online. So for instance, start an Instagram channel, start making stories, start on your video skills and start on your teaching skills on video. And the easiest way to do that is just pick one of the social media platforms, if it's TikTok or Instagram, or, you know, even YouTube or LinkedIn, whatever platform you feel like, okay, I, I can build a presence here, I feel confident enough to start sharing here every single day something <laughs> documenting my life starting to give tips about the subject that I want to make a course on if you want to start an online course business for instance and start building your online presence so most people who don't have an online business yet they just exist in what I would call real life like you know people might know them from their business in real life or they have their friends and family but you have to start existing online it's a good thing that if people google you that they can find a lot of hits on your name so i know there's a lot about privacy and you have to be very careful what you put online of yourself i'm a big believer in just start building your online presence and have as much blog posts as much interviews as much presence online as you can get so you start building your online presence yeah, I agree. I actually remember I was one of your very first followers and I remember you were giving so much. It was so pure in a way. I felt like you really wanted to help me. I was a starting entrepreneur back then and you were giving a lot. What was actually the point that you started selling your products? Because I think it took quite a while, right? It took a, well, a year, I think. After a year of 
every day coming with free tips on, online. I was like, you know what? Why wouldn't I make money from this? <laughs> and that's when I started to create courses and start selling also. I do feel that giving away and, and giving tips is still the core of what I do online because I believe in giving away a lot and making transformations for people completely free and that they are so enthusiastic about those transformations that they're still going to buy stuff online. But it's definitely that the subjects that I teach about, like the best tips are obviously now all behind the paywall. You have to pay and then you can be in a yeah. course. They're in the C Academy, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually, I did the same. I was giving just all my knowledge. I was documenting my life for about like nine to 12 months. And then I started with my first, first course. And I think, um, well, I don't want to call it a mistake, but I think a lot of on online entrepreneurs now are very impatient. They want to make money the second day that they started with their business, you know? And I think it's, it's a lot of giving at first. Hey, and you, you mentioned that uh, now a lot of stuff is in the C Academy. How do you decide what you give away for free online and what you don't give away for free? Do you have a rule or something or a system for that? Well, I tell my students most of the time that 10% should be free and 90% should be in the course. Because if you sell a course and people are in the course and they're like, well, all these tips you already give them for free, <laughs> that's not good for business because they won't buy another course. I think one of the most important things that I'm focused on is not, okay, I want to sell my course now to a thousand people and that they're all in my course. And then, you know, I've got the money. My main focus is I, I want them to love my course. So they're going to buy a second course for me or a third course and they're going to tell they want to have the course and I think that's one of the mistakes that you might make in the beginning that you're really focused on oh I want to have people inside or want to have paying clients but you need to be focused on I want to have really satisfied paying clients so that is always my my main focus and part of that is that you don't give away all the stuff for free that you also teach in the course I bought too many courses where that's the case that I'm really impressed by somebody's knowledge I buy the course and the course is exactly the same as all the free content I think that's what you're really good at. You're, you're good at marketing, you're good at selling, but you're also good at making high quality courses. And I think a lot of people aren't that great at like making those high quality courses. So yeah. Well, I think part of it is that I love learning so much myself. So to, to go back a little bit on the point of what do you give for free and what do you keep in your course? I think even now from the subjects that I'm having courses about, I learn new things every day. So I am a big fan of documenting what you're learning day by day about the subject that you're actually teaching a course about. So you bring people into your own process of learning and discovering and finding new ways of doing things. For instance, now on my Instagram, I'm sharing a lot about uh, artificial intelligence. I think that's a game changer and I want to be a little bit more on the forefront. So I'm sharing my discovery in that. In my courses, eventually will obviously be a whole video about artificial intelligence and how I use it. But then in the meantime, in the free content, there's already a lot of tips for that. So by doing that, by having courses where all the basics for that subject are present, and then in the meantime, in your free content, you're still sharing what you're newly discovering right now. I think that's a really easy way for me to always make sure that I share a lot of valuable free content, and yet not everything is found in my online courses. 
No, exactly. That's that's a good point. Hey, and uh, next question is also about Instagram because I know you've always been focusing mostly on Instagram in the past few years. Yeah. What I'm noticing is that Instagram is changing quite a lot. Like, first of all, the algorithm is different. I'm not sure if you notice it, but I'm noticing that I'm reaching less followers because the platform is just getting bigger and bigger, and there's more people who want to have reach. There is a lot more video. Do you think Instagram? is still the right platform to focus on if you're just starting out. And if you're already a successful entrepreneur, do you think it's time to move on to like different platforms as well? Or do you think that Instagram can still be like your main focus? I think TikTok is extremely important. I would totally uh, focus on TikTok. <laughs> well, I usually don't really see it as a platform. I look at the form of content. So what right now is really popular are the reels. And that's exactly the same as TikToks and exactly the same as YouTube shorts. So a little video of five to 15 seconds, and I know you can make them a little bit longer, but the really short videos where you have to have storytelling and an arc in the attention span, and you have to finish it within those 15 seconds. What I really specialized in for the last years were the stories on Instagram. And that is that you go to the Instagram account and you watch the little vlogs. I do think that reels, TikToks and shorts are way more important now. And to master that skill is my main focus. That would also be the advice that I would give to other entrepreneurs. Focus on making reels and focus on the short form videos and be able to somehow capture your attention of your audience within those five or 10 seconds. And that's it's harder than the story and it's harder than just posting a picture and it's yeah <laughs> and it's also i i always think it's exciting it pushes me to become better again to get more to the core of your message like you have less time or no i i like the whole process i think you do too right i i love learning new things i was definitely a little bit frustrated in the beginning because i was like oh this is pretty hard and you have to find music and it has to be a little bit funny and it has to be all these things but i've been studying it now for a long time i'm pretty confident that right now I can make reels that are capturing the attention of people. It's just right now, one of the processes I'm working on is working with a team a lot. So for the past years, I've done most of the marketing myself. Instagram is a really important one, but also email letters and webinars and podcasts, of course. And now I'm really focused on whatever I'm going to do for my English company. I want to work with a team from the start. So I could make like a lot of shorts right now and have, I think the, the optimum amount of content that I should put out is at least three reels a day and at least three TikToks a day and at least three shorts a day. And for instance, one long form YouTube video a week. And I know that that is my ideal and I'm working towards it to do that together with the team right now. So that in the future and in the coming months, I don't have to be the driving force behind it, but I actually have a team making them together with me. Yeah, exactly. And do you usually put the same content on Instagram as you do on TikTok and shorts? I'm always really, I'm the simple entrepreneur. I always tell myself, you know, how can I make this simpler? So usually when I make a reel, I put it on TikTok, I put it on shorts, I put it everywhere. Same yeah. Thing. So I'm not right now present on TikTok or YouTube shorts really, but that's yeah. what I'm going to do too. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, and the next question, we talked about it before already. And you said, oh, I find it hard to come up with something. I'm really curious if you're uh, going to come up with something now. But my followers somehow are really curious about your biggest fears and insecurities. What is your main blockage, you know? And 
What is your biggest insecurity right now? Yeah, just to be clear, like I have a lot of fears and insecurities. I just, I rephrase it in my mind. So sometimes I don't really notice that it is as much as a blockage or a fear because I rephrase it as, oh, there's this learning point or that I don't really feel the anxiousness ab about it or I don't let it stop myself, but I'm just doing it, but I'm actually pushing through fear. The biggest one, and I've, I've mentioned it a bunch now, is um, right now I do everything in English. And that is a whole new way of phrasing things. I have to find a new level of confidence. I, I'm frustrated with myself because the words don't come out the way that I wanted them to come out. So that's a really big one. I think on a larger scale, I... I reinvent myself a lot. So I started being an entrepreneur with meeting venues. I then went to online courses. I'm now going into English online courses. I had a membership for a while. So I'm always experimenting with my business model. And I think in order to do that, I cannot think in ways of being fearful or see things like mistakes. Because if I look back at my career, I launched a bunch of things that weren't successful at all. I remember I had this idea that I have a podcast and I was like, well, if I make a masterclass around every subject of my podcast. So for instance, I had a podcast about eating disorders and relationship with food. And I thought, well, and then I'm going to sell tickets to have a masterclass about the same subject. It completely didn't work. Like I think only 10 people or 50 people bought a ticket for it and it wasn't expensive at all. And I have a lot of those little projects every time that I'm just experiment with. They don't really work. And then I just drop them and I focus on something else that might work better. And that's what the people yeah, don't you, really you don't, see. It sounds like you don't really, you don't really feel bad about it then. You don't feel like a failure or something. Is it, is it correct? Yeah, because for me, it's just playing around. It's just trying something. And it might have been an extreme success. And it isn't at this point. Okay, then the next thing might be an extreme success. So I think more in terms of it's just playing around. It's experimenting. And I don't really see things as failures. I'm not really afraid of trying it out either. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think in that regard, we're very similar. Like my main goal is always to learn something new every day. And even if something is like a, a failure, I don't like to call it failure either. I call it like I learned something. It's always going to bring you something. Yeah. And sometimes it will bring you success in forms of money and customers. And sometimes it will teach you a lesson and that's valuable as well, right? Yeah. And it's also even the lesson that has been taught, it might be that if you launched it two months earlier or two years earlier, it might have been a huge success. So that's always what I keep in mind when it's about entrepreneurship. There is no definite way of doing something successful and making some mistakes like, oh, this is a classic mistake. You should have never done that. Some people might have been very successful with exactly that strategy. So it's all up to the person, the uh, circumstances. If I would launch a course and at the same time, there's a huge thing happening in the world and nobody's paying attention to my Instagram stories or my uh, podcast or something, that might be the reason that the whole launch is, f is failing. While if I launch it, you know, a week later, then it might have been a huge success. So I see business as you you do something, you take it back, you, you do it again, you take it back. And then if it doesn't fit you or you don't really like or enjoy it, then you try something else. Exactly. That That's a nice way to look at it. And right now, you already mentioned I'm focusing on the English market right now. I think it's the U.S. market mostly. I used to live in the U.S. I was there for seven months and I used to go there all the time when I still had a native uh, speaking boyfriend. And I remember we also did marketing in the U.S. at some point. And 
I thought, wow, the, the way they sell products here is actually very different compared to the Netherlands. You must notice it as well. I was there in 2016, so it's been like seven years ago. What do you notice now are like the main differences in online marketing between the US and the Netherlands? Well, that's a little bit of a hard question because I've always looked at mentors who are American. So my way of selling and my way of marketing is already, I think, for Dutch standards, pretty American. And I definitely can take it a little bit further than I can do in the Netherlands, I think. Americans, I have so much admiration for how they brand themselves and how they promote themselves. I just had an interview with a, a podcaster here in America. And while she was doing the intake conversation, like we, we get to know each other a little bit on the on the phone to just see if we wanted to be in each other's podcast. She was just, you know, telling that she was this New York Times bestseller author and she name dropped a couple of names and she told about her achievements. And that was all like, Two minutes, I got this extremely solid pitch from herself. And I was like, man, this is how I really should learn to talk about myself. If I introduce myself, I don't say like, oh, I make millions and I have 18,000 students. That's in the Netherlands. That's not something that you should... Oh, in the Netherlands, they <laughs> like it when you don't mention all of that, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't really get it, but yeah. And I don't get it either. And I don't do it, but I do get a lot of hate in the Netherlands for it. I already get a lot of hate for me. I think I have it in my bio uh, of my Instagram, how much sales I have or how much students I have. I think in order to attract clients or attract students to my courses, it's very smart to do it because if you don't tell how much success you have or how, that you're good in your job, nobody wants to buy from you. So please, I always tell people, please say <laughs> how much success you have. And But I can definitely in America, I can be even better in that and uh, kind of let go of my Dutch roots and modesty in that way a little bit more than I have been. Exactly. It's actually the main feedback that I always give my clients. When I'm looking at the About Me page, I'm like, where is your brag story? Like you need right. to brag about the stuff you've accomplished. And yes, people are going to think you're arrogant, some people, but there's also going to be lots of people who are willing to follow you then. Like mention what you accomplished. And I think we're way too modest, I think. Modest. Yeah. That's the word. Exactly. Okay. Then the next question is also about Instagram, actually. I forgot to ask it just now, but a lot of followers ask me, I do get quite some followers on Instagram, but I really don't know how to turn them into customers. And I think that a lot of people struggle with it because it's one it's one thing to get followers but it's a completely different thing to turn them into customers what did you do to have such a high conversion rate because i think i used to calculate it with you i thought like five percent of your followers or something are buying your courses which is insane <laughs> I think that's all due to the the strength of my personal brand. So I believe that people love to buy from somebody they know and trust. And because I share so much of my life on Instagram and I share so much of my thoughts and my insecurities in my podcast, and I'm so personal to people and that combined with when they buy a course, they're really satisfied with it. Or when they follow up on my tips, they notice that it works that makes them really loyal customers because the courses that I teach, most of them or all of them right now, they're all for entrepreneurs. And the goal of all of them is make more money, make your business better. And when I deliver on those things, you make more money and it's easier for you to also buy my second course because again, you want to have the result of making more money. So I think 
that most of my clients, when they buy one course, they buy all my courses. And I think that makes my numbers pretty good. Yeah. yeah, actually a funny story. This week I had a customer, potential customer. She's like, I really want to do your Business Boost Academy, but I really bought all Celine Charlotte's courses and I have no money anymore right now. But, uh, you know, I learned all the great stuff to make it, you know, but she's like, I needed this, but I need to get some money now. Where do I get it from? And she was like, so excited about all your courses. She bought all of them and she's like, okay. And now I want to do your course, but I can't do it anymore. And I but she didn't, didn't she follow my courses? She didn't make money with my courses then? Because that's the goal. Like, like, something goes wrong there. <laughs> something must have gone wrong. Exactly. I don't know what went wrong uh, there. Or actually, one thing that I'm noticing uh, with you as an outsider is you have a great balance between being like a vulnerable, vulnerable human being on the one hand, and like a leader on the other hand, who also tells what she believes in. You're taking a stand, you're taking a position, you're not like doubtful about yourself. And on top of that, you're not afraid to sell. I think a lot of people, they just expect that, oh, well, I'm visible. And if they want to buy something, they'll go to my website. Yeah. It doesn't happen. You no, nobody does that. <laughs> I, I love selling because I am so convinced and that also helps because I had so many students, of course, if you have 18,000 people buying your courses and then you receive every day DMs, like how it changed their business, how it changed their life. It's very easy to being very confident in my product. So I am so convinced that my courses are changing lives and that if people invest the amount of money that they will get it 10 or 20 times as much back that for me, I don't see it as, oh, I'm selling my courses. So what I'm doing is actually, you know, I'm taking money from people who might need it. I'm, I sincerely believe I am helping people when they buy my courses. So I'm just literally think I help people. And at the same time, I am thrilled about helping people. And at the same time, I'm so focused on what can I learn? Like, how do I become a better entrepreneur? How do I become a better person? And by every time trying to sell a little bit in a different way or experiment with my marketing, experiment with my sales tactics, it really is teaching me a lot and I have so much joy in learning. So I make sure that every time that I launch a course, I try something new, I try something different, I do it different than the last time. And I'm never really focused on the outcome. I think that's a thing that differs with me and that I always try to teach people, I'm never really focused on the outcome of that launch. Like if I have a launch of a million or if I have a launch of 100,000, I don't care as long as at the end of the launch, I've learned something or I tried something new so I can incorporate in the next launch. So in my head, my sales figures and my amount of money that I make, I'm more focused on what I can make in five years than what I can make in the next month. And by doing that, I'm releasing myself of all the anxiety of, oh, this launch has to be really good or this launch has to work. Or I have to make money. Or I have to, to make people buy from me. I'm always more like, what can I learn and how can I better my skills in selling that maybe in five years, I will make 10 million a year. And I think and that's something that people can feel. Like one thing that I learned is that your energy will always speak louder than your words. And with you, you can feel that, first of all, you want to help people. Second of all, you want to learn something. And the money that you're making, like literally the millions that you're making, let's, let's brag about it. <laughs> that it's, uh, it's not the main goal. It's a result of focusing on those two things. Yeah. Yeah. That is really how I feel. And that's also what I make sure of that when I, 
go into a lounge that that is the energy I go into it because if I don't and if I focus really on okay I need this amount of money I need people to buy then I believe that people can feel that and then yeah it's not worth You're it because selling it's not from work. a place of scarcity in a place of like ego and, and they yeah. feel it exactly yeah hey and when talking about money one thing that I talk about in my podcast on the one hand is about making money I think that's like a discipline literally that people have to learn on the other hand, it's also about like saving money, managing your money, investing money. And at some point I started really like investing money, making money work for me instead of me only working for money. And I know that you're investing in crypto, right? Yes. Not the best choice and for the past year. <laughs> okay. No, no, exactly. <laughs> Lost a lot of money uh, uh -huh. with it. But do you do it like with a plan or something? Because I know you're in real estate as well, but do you have like, a plan for investing money and all that stuff? Or do you really do it on like intuition? I, so I'm not like a crypto expert at all. I do believe in that the future of money, even though the crypto market is going really bad, I still believe that crypto is the way to go. I feel it's a more fair system. It makes more sense to me. Um, it's just, I believe where eventually in the future, we will all have our money online instead of in banks. So it, it's just exciting to me to be able to already put money there. But I'm not following crypto news and I have no idea how much crypto is worth right now. I, it's been a year ago or something that I invested for the last time in crypto. Um, uh, I remember reading something about like you putting 100K in it and then you kind of like let it go. But yeah, it's a little bit more uh, that I put in it. But, you know, I'm, I make a lot of money. So I would indeed invest several hundred K when I can invest. I yeah, exactly. And I think your main focus is now more on real estate, right? Because you bought a house in Sedona now. And yes. you also still have your apartment in Amsterdam, I think. Yeah, that is also because I love houses. For me, I think if I really would invest in real estate, my focus would be more commercial real estate. So I would like to invest later on in life in things like big hotels or, or shopping areas and not as much in separate houses. So the houses that I have right now, they're just for me because I love to have a house in the Netherlands. I love the Netherlands. I love coming back to the Netherlands. I haven't been back for a while now, but just the idea that I have my house there with my own bed and you know, all my own stuff that makes me feel really good. <laughs> you know, like just knowing that you can always come back to it. Yeah. I also yeah. read something about you're not renting it out right now, right? There's a no. friend or something staying in it. Yeah. So for me, okay. And it sounds really arrogant, but the, the, the profit that I can make by renting it out is, what is it, like 1500 maybe 2000 a month. It's a small apartment in Amsterdam. That for me, the amount of work or the amount of risk that I have by, you know, maybe they're going to trash the place if I, do, I give it to a realtor. Or maybe if I find friends and they're going to call me every time, I don't know, the electricity doesn't work or something. It's just a lot of work. <laughs> and I don't really want to want to do that for 2000 a month. That doesn't really? make sense. If, if you put those hours, that energy in your business, you can make a lot more money than... I can make 100 times as much by just creating an online course. So it doesn't make sense for me financially. And I think that is very triggering for people to hear sometimes, but I always ask them like, is it really worth it? Like how many hours are you spending on that? And are you spending that in the right way? So that, and combined with the idea that I really in the beginning liked the idea of having a house where friends, when they are in a breakup or need some time for themselves, just can come and have just kind of a safe space uh, for friends. So right now there's a friend indeed uh, staying there. 
Yeah, that's nice. I have a last question. I actually have 589 questions, <laughs> but we said 30 minutes. Uh, what are your plans for the future? Because I know you want to focus on your English business right now. Yeah. Do you have like a, a plan or like something you want to focus on the next four years? Or do you usually just plan a year ahead or something? How does it work with you? Well, I always have a vision of me in five years, and that is always a really big, big vision. I never really share plans in detail about the future because I kind of lost my own lose my own enthusiasm when I share too much in the future. So I'm mostly don't really talk too much about really my strategies for the next year. For me right now, this whole thing in English is just a big new challenge and I, I love doing that. So yes, I hope that in the next year there's uh, my first English course coming out. I want to have a little bit more of a presence in America. I think one of the things I love about doing everything in English is um, it's not actually only the US market. It's just the idea that people in Australia can buy your products or people in China or, you know, English is, a, is obviously a language that's everywhere. So that's so exciting for me that my reach is way bigger and I think maybe I'm not ever going to make courses for entrepreneurs anymore, but I want to have an, another online business. You can start everything. And when your team is in English and when the software you use, everything is in English, it's easier to, to just venture into other projects as an entrepreneur as well. So I don't know even if I in five years will still have an online course business. I, I might just change it all up and start something else. But I do know that for everything, the skill of being fluent in English and having an, an international team is going to be really important. So that's for this year, my main focus. Yeah, very cool. What is your first course going to be about? I don't know yet. Online uh, courses, right? Oh, right. No, well, that was the idea. I'm changing it a little bit. I'm, I'm still in the process. I, I also, I love productivity tips. And I do think that there is an gap right now in productivity and efficiency tips and way of working with software that I noticed that a lot of online entrepreneurs need more, you know, guidance in. So I'm thinking of creating a course around productivity and software or, you know, maybe something like hygiene around work habits and stuff for online entrepreneurs, because there's, you know, the, the balance between life and work and, and all of that. So I'm playing around a little bit with the idea of creating a really simple online course around that in English, but I'm not sure yet. Okay. You're giving yourself some time for it. So. I give myself so much time always. Yeah, <laughs> because I oh. think that is, yeah, you know, as long as I, I think research is a really important part of being an online entrepreneur, research of new software, research in skills, research in reading books and upping your game in, in whatever. And really right now, I think 80% of my time goes to research and reading and learning and experimenting. And only 20% goes really to working on the English market. And that for now is still good for me. It works. And then later on, when I researched enough, I will try to change those percentage and start working a little bit more and have a little bit more output. Exactly. But for now, there is no rush. It's, it's something that I've been telling myself as well. Like I used to always be so rushed, like everything had to be done yesterday. And I'm, I'm still like that a bit, but I'm also telling myself more and more, there is no rush. You've got time. You're 34. It's going to be okay. You know, like take your time. It's only yeah. going to make it better in the end. I do want to respond on this one because 
if you're an online entrepreneur, a lot of your work is also you're online a lot. So you see all the time the highlights of other people, right? So when I go on my Instagram, I see other people creating courses. I see other doing marketing. And then you feel like, oh, I'm behind. I should have done that too. Or, oh, this is a really smart idea. I should have done that too. And I definitely feel that pressure too. And that is, unfortunately, I think... You can't really avoid that as an online entrepreneur because you're online often. And I do think that it's so necessary as an online entrepreneur to realize that you're at the one or two percent of the people working online, that most of the people around you are not doing that. They don't have an email list. They don't make stories. They don't, you know, have webinars. And if even if I look around in my own friends group, 80 percent of them don't have the skills or don't have the desire also or don't have the knowledge of working online yet. So it's a fraction of the people that you see in your Instagram account of the world, but it actually looks like everyone around you is working on their business online. (laughs) So yeah, that's the one question I always get from starting entrepreneurs. Like, is there still going to be space for me? Because everybody's working online these days. And I'm like, no, it's like 1% of people. Like you get this distorted image of that. Totally. And it's the same as when you want to start a podcast, something that I always really encourage because it's such a great way of practicing with, you know, your voice online. It's not that everyone has a podcast. They don't like literally they don't. So there's so much space yet. And if you start developing your skills right now, you are ahead of most of the people. And we will go to a society where video and where your online presence is going to be more important and more important. There's so much money to earn online. It's so easy to make money online. The amount of effort it takes to build a business in the offline world, so opening a shop or a restaurant or a coaching business, in comparison with the effort effort it takes to build an online business, it's it's so much harder to do it not online. And the only thing, the blockage is, is like, okay, it's something you've never done. You have to learn software. You have to build your presence. You have to speak on camera. You have to, you know, it's all these scary things. But as soon as you master it, you're ahead of most of the people around you. And then you start noticing how easy it is to make money online. So yeah. Just and you, you always need to get past this tipping point. I usually compare it with like a plane getting up. Like in the beginning, you get a lot of resistance and it's, and it's kind of hard. Like it takes effort because you need to learn a lot of stuff. But then at some point, the wind gets below your wings and it becomes so much easier. Right now, I'm like flowing through my business. Of course, there are still challenges, but you get this point where you have a lot of momentum. Yeah. And that is usually the point where you start when you mastered some of the skills and learning new skills is always hard. It's always a little bit of a struggle. It always feels like you're not doing it right. And other people are very natural in it, but nobody is born natural. I wasn't born natural in podcasting. I wasn't born natural on camera. (laughs) We all learned it. We all went through that awkward phase where you you are in now and Just knowing that and realizing that instead of that you're starting at zero and most people are already at 100, you should realize that you are actually one of the one or two percent of people who are brave enough to start talking on camera. Realize that you're such a small group and that you're ahead of most people and that looking online is not a good representation of the world because most people are not online and it's most of the creators right now online, that, that's a small group, but it seems like everyone is creating. Yeah, and what we do, you naturally usually look at people who are ahead of you 
and then it feels all of a sudden like everyone is doing better than you and everyone is like further than you. I had a big realization with my podcast the other day. I thought like, well, my podcast is, is very successful, but I thought it's not like the, one of the best podcasts in the world. But then Spotify does this recap, right? At the end mm -hmm. of the year, I think you must have seen it as well. Yeah. And it said, you're in the top 10% podcast in the world. And I was like, wow. what? But then I saw this reel, you shared it this week, I think, about how many, how few people have a podcast and yeah. how few people actually make content every week. And I thought it actually makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is almost a mindfuck that you have to go through. Like you feel everyone is doing it, but they're not. So there's so much space for you if you want to start. Exactly. And I think that's a, that's a good sentence to end this podcast with. There is so much space for you guys. And just do it, focus on learning, focus on helping people. And as a result of that, you'll make millions, just like right. Celine. In the end, you know? <laughs> if you, you just so focus on the long-term. Thank you, it was really fun talking to you. Same, thank you so much.